The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel for a new episode of The Oasis. Finally, after about a month of Premier League football, we managed to score an actual goal. Um, and it means that we're just about crawling our way to Premier League safety for next season. And we find ourselves in a cup quarter final. We're just flying high at the minute. Um, but a bit of a challenge coming up, Sheffield United, who are flying high and might even get into Europe next season. And with Man City's ban, potentially even Champions League. Um, burst their bubble a bit last season uh, in the reverse fixture um, and they're on another unbeaten run again at the minute so hopefully we can burst that bubble again joining us this week is ben from the blades pod ben thanks for coming on thanks for having me my pleasure so uh, i mentioned there um this season's been a bit ridiculous for you guys did it ever, is, would you ever have imagined it's gone as well as this no <laughs> no chance i mean i i did think we'd stay up um i probably said that the last time we spoke earlier in the season um i thought we'd be good enough to stay in the division but to be genuinely a top 10 premier league team with yeah aspirations of finishing in the in the top six top seven maybe even slightly higher is is far far beyond even the most optimistic united fan i think yeah i mean what what was the realistic expectation this year then was it just stay up was that literally it yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, in the summer, you know, we brought in uh, we brought in a, quite a lot of younger players, sort of um, like 22, 23. So there was a bit of, you know, let's let's kind of use this opportunity to to you know move the club forward. I guess commercially as well as uh, from a squad perspective as well. You know, we we got promoted with a lot of players in their kind of um, early thirties, a lot of key players in their early thirties, I should say. So part of it was, yeah, can we can we stay in the division? Can we use this as like a 
uh, a building season, if you like. You know, you get one year of Premier League money to secure another year going forward. And, you know, then you you have these younger players that are going to hopefully take a step forward in, in coming seasons as well. But I think within, I think we started quite t- tentatively, I would say for six, seven games, we were played quite conservatively. You know, we were very, um, just not very adventurous in games, to be honest. But I think from about eight or nine games onwards, we suddenly realised, do you know what, we are good enough. You know, the players mm-hmm. that we the, that came up through from the Championship are good enough. The way we play is good enough. Our defence is good enough to keep teams to generally just zero, zero or one in most games. And um, yeah, I think we've sort of realised that we are actually good enough to uh, challenge for the, yeah. the top 10 and above. Do you, we, we did a, a podcast before where we talked about the standard of the league this year. Um, and talk, sort of talking about how those second tier teams like Man United, Arsenal, the teams that you find yourselves in amongst now um, have kind of dropped off the boil massively. Do you think that's helped this season in terms of the standard of the league where you've got two teams so much better than everyone else and everyone else sort of slacking? It has. Yeah, I think I think there's like two sides to this because I think definitely the traditional, I mean, Park, Liverpool and Man City for a second, um, you know, the traditional heavy hitters apart from them are in transition season. So you know, even even though Chelsea are in the top four, you feel there is some vulnerability about them, for example. Mm-hmm. At the same time, um, I think the bottom of the league is much stronger than it has been for years. I mean, we just played we just played Norwich for the second time and they obviously got promoted with us last season. I think they would have comfortably stayed up last season. Um, I mean, then they're gonna probably finish bottom this year. You know, they are a they are a decent footballing side. Mm-hmm. They play in a in a way that should be successful in in most forms of in most leagues, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's a bit of a sort of condensing, I suppose, which is why I, I really resist this this narrative of it's oh it's a weaker a weaker Premier League. I think actually you've got two extremely good teams, or one ridiculous team, and then Man City have had a slightly strange season, I think. But then the other eighteen are, are very close ability wise, I think. And yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see who ends up going down. I've, I've really no idea, but I'm pretty sure it's not going to be us, which is nice. Yeah, it must be nice not to be in that conversation at all. I guess I, I think I agree with you. Um, I think the bottom. If you look at the Premier League, has been sort of two bars. The bottom bar's definitely been raised a bit. There's, you know, there's no sort of Derby County or Sunderland way this season where they're just getting hammered every single week. And even Norwich, yeah. who do seem, when you just look at the table, a lot worse than everyone else. They are a really good football inside, and I'd put mm-hmm. other teams in that bracket like Watford as well. For me, yeah. the only the only sort of awful side at the minute is Villa, but even they've got Grealish who can win a game on his own. So yeah, yeah it's, it, I think I'd agree with you on that. Um, on on the Europe point, is that. Are you going for Europe? Is that the aim, or is it just take each game as it comes? Yeah, I mean, we definitely are. I mean, you know, Wilder is uh, it kind of always speaks about wanting to kind of better ourselves, and you know, he he does occasionally play the one game at a time card, but he, you know, all the way through his time as a as a manager throughout his career, but with United as well, it's always can we take the next step? And if we, you know, even if we're like way, out- does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Ahead of where we're supposed to be, I suppose, progression-wise, it's like, can we keep going? Can we keep winning? So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, it started as a bit of a joke, um, I'd say maybe six, seven weeks ago, something like that, like among the mm-hmm. fan base. But now it's like, I mean, I can say pretty pretty confidently, a lot of United fans will be disappointed if we don't make Europe this season, which is, which is insane. I mean, I, ridiculous, yeah. yeah, I still, um, 
I mean, I guess I'll have a small amount of disappointment because we've, we've never played in European competition. We we played in the Anglo-Italian Cup once, which is a, a long, defunct, <laughs> invitational-type tournament, I think. So, you know, I, I know some teams turn their nose up at the um, Europa League, but, oh, give me that. that that's a potentially a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, all power to you. I hope you do it personally. Um, does the club have, have, it, have what it takes in them from a financial point of view to deal with the European season, do you think? I think so. I think we're we're getting there. As I said, we signed. Do you know, it's funny. The amount of money we spent was a lot for United in the summer. Um, you know, we broke our transfer record. I think it was five times in like six months or something like that. And broke it again in January. But the players who don't get in our first team, their their squad, their players who were you know been brought in to basically improve with us. So we we have got squad depth now. It's quite. It's quite unusual to see us spend, you know, 22 million on um, a young European midfielder, and then he's not in our starting lineup for mm. the, the previous game, that kind of thing. So, yeah, we, we've been—I think we've been sensible. We've signed players who have resale value, where if it doesn't work out, we'll just, you know, we'll move them on at uh, either mm. the same amount or a profit. I mean, the classic example is Callum Robinson, and we signed him in the summer um, from Preston. I think we paid about seven million for him, so a record transfer at the, at the time. Hasn't really done it in the Premier League. He's done okay. So in January, we just sent him on loan to West Brom and he's, he's absolutely tearing it up in the Championship. They're probably going to get promoted with him in that team. Uh, the, the worst case scenario is we sell him for probably more than we paid for him or best yeah. case is he comes back and he's a you know valuable player for us next season. So yeah, it, it seems like we have... I mean, we don't have rich owners, but we're willing to spend the money that you get for being in the Premier League, which you know, a uh, team like uh, Norwich, for example, were, were not in that position because mm-hmm. they were hampered by previous years of uh, financial mismanagement, I guess. Yeah, I, I think when I, when we talked in the same podcast, we talked about Sheffield United a little bit and we mentioned about your squad depth up front when you've got sort of one of your, in the modern era, greatest players you've ever had in Billy Sharp and he's, what, third or fourth choice striker? It's crazy. Not anymore. Really. It's, it's probably number one right now. Is he back to the top now? Because then you've got Mousset, McBurney, is it? McGoldrick's the other one, I believe. And they're all decent. Um, but we've basically got one striker who's not actually a striker and Dwight Gale who bricks it in the Premier League. That's our choice. So And Andy Carroll, who I always forget about, who's still on the injury table. So the, <laughs> the squad depth must be must have been a big part of this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I think you can, if you wanted to be critical, you could say, you know, maybe they are... Maybe our strikers are disappointed. I don't think anyone's got more than five goals, for example. But there's been kind of mitigating circumstances around that. McGoldrick's been freakishly poor in front of goal. Like, it's it's insane he doesn't have a Premier League goal yet. He's just he's missed some unbelievable chances and uh, run afoul of some really good goalkeeping as well. Moussa was incredible for about three months and then uh, had some had some injuries, had some um, uh, family stuff as well that's kind of set him back a little bit. Uh, just a, a really talented forward you know he's a, he's a bit of a target man he's a bit of a kind of drop deep and link play so he's the one I think we've sort of gone you know he's the number one and then you pair another striker with him but it's definitely helped having a, a variety of options for sure. This season um, in, in the reverse fixture we'll get onto the actual game because it was obviously a bit ridiculous with VAR and everything but um, at that point you're on a seven game unbeaten run and I think against the odds, we went to your place and beat you. And again, we find you're on the back of a six-game unbeaten run. Um, do you think Do you think your run's going to come to an end again, or do you see it just going on and on and on until the end of the season? No, it's definitely... We, we've got some tough games coming up. Um, I mean, it's exciting. they're exciting games. We don't... You know, we've played Man City and Liverpool twice, but we've got Chelsea, Man U, Spurs still on the fixture list, um, and Leicester as well. 
But the one and Chelsea and Spurs are at Bramall Lane. I'm looking at that going, bring them on. That could yeah, be amazing. Yeah, they're you know, great imagine. games. Yeah, because yeah, particularly as we still, you know, we are obviously still underdogs to get into Europe. But the idea of, it, you know, the idea of having it in our hands is is very exciting. Well, I, I think with Spurs, them going to your players, I'd put them as the underdog in that game with the way they're playing. That must Potentially. I mean, I mean not, not when you look at the sort of size of the clubs and the history and things, but I look at that game thinking Spurs are going to be really nervous for that game and you guys are going to be... Pumped up, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I'd be really surprised if we don't lose one of the last 10 games, but it is, it is remarkable. I mean, we've lost the same amount of games as Man City this season and, uh, you know, they, they don't have to play themselves twice. So, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's pretty. it's been pretty amazing. Yeah, it's great. Um, we'll talk a bit about that, that game then. Um, great game from our point of view. St. Maximin scored a header, which I don't think he'll ever do again in his life. And then we scored that ridiculous VAR goal where everyone stopped. Shelby just waltzed to the other end of the pitch and scored. So a game where when you're a Sheffield United fan, I suspect you just think it's just one of those days. <laughs> I mean, what, what was your memory of that of that goal? It was ridiculous, really. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I don't remember ever being so angry at a football match. <laughs> uh, genuinely, I, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe it. We... I feel like it's settled down a bit in the last three or four, maybe the last five or six games, but we were going through a period of like VAR, just like weird stuff happening in all our games where it really felt like we were almost like guinea pigs for some of these VAR decisions. I mean, mm. I don't I don't even remember the one at Spurs um, where McGoldrick actually scored and then it was disallowed because Lundstrom's big toe was offside about seven oh, passes well, there's been There's been a few of them, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah it, it provoked a lot of uproar. We've had... Um, Oh, I, can't, I, you know, I can't even remember some of the other ones, but we, uh, I think it's still the case. We've had the most goals disallowed by VAR this season. Mm-hmm. You know, at one point we were the only team to have two goals disallowed in the same game and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I've got to be honest, I thought Shelby was um, time-wasting. I was going bananas. Mm. I was going mad at the referee, like, get him in the book, get him in the book, because obviously Newcastle winning 1-0, you know, made team's sense time waste, yeah. Team's time waste at one nil. Shelby is the type. <laughs> yeah, I thought he's yeah. just um he's just basically, oh, I haven't seen the linesman's flag, I'm just gonna dribble and shoot. And then to go from like, oh no, he's not time wasting, and now we're two nil down and that's probably game over. And yeah, I mean it was obviously different if you're a Newcastle fan, but the atmosphere in the ground for the rest of the game, I think there's about twenty five minutes left. It, they might as well just Fantastic. play him for full time there. It, it wasn't well. That was the other thing I thought there was going to be a riot. Like if they give this, but everyone was just completely stunned. It was like just total mm-hmm. silence from the United fans for the rest of the game. It was just like, what have we just seen? Basically, yeah. I, yeah not. I don't want to experience that again. I don't want it to go for us either. To be honest, I, I, I think it, I don't know. No, it just I wasn't mean, very well. It's a, yeah. I mean, you said you've never been more angry. I don't think I've ever laughed so much for that. Yeah. It, was, it was so <laughs> stupid. I mean. It was a great. It was actually a great goal. Ignoring the VAR thing, it was a great flick on, ran onto it. We never, our midfielders never run from deep, so it was good to see that. But I think the first mistake was the fact that the the linesman flagged straight away. Um, the second mistake was that your players stopped, but they saw ingrained to just see a flag and think, well, he's offside. And I think yeah. that would be the same if I was playing. And then I think I think your keeper did actually try and save it at the last minute. But I think Shelby was just really switched on. He's obviously just thought, these rules are stupid. I'm going to make the most of them. Yeah. Um, and I know in Europe, for the offsides, they sort of wait five, ten seconds, don't they, to see what happens before they put the flag up in yeah. an attempt to sort of let the game play a bit. But, I mean, looking back at it, it was a joke, really, that that goal was allowed. Every, I think when everyone stops, you know, it kind of just makes a joke of the whole VAR thing because you can never really rewind the clock and put it back to how it should have been. 
Yeah, um, I mean that, that's kind of what I meant with the guinea pig thing. I mean, you don't see teams do that anymore. You know, teams teams play on and shoot now. We definitely do now. Like we don't if the flag goes up. Yeah, we that was the first time I really remember it happening in that season. We were just lucky benefactors of that that one. I guess. <laughs> what What's your thoughts on VAR in general? I know there's been talk about daylight rules for offsides and other things like that. Do you think it's been good or needs improvement? Do you think it should be there next year? I think probably get rid of it for offsides or refine how that's used. It's, I mean, as I said, we've been on the receiving end of a lot of uh, a lot of disallowed goals where it is like somebody's toe, somebody's shoelace, basically offside. I'm all right with it in principle, but um, you know, it has ruined a lot of moments. I mean, you know, we we scored a last minute equaliser against Man United, for example, and um, you know they they were checking a handball. Eventually, the goal stood, but. You know, it was a last minute. Yeah, it was a last minute equaliser against Man United, and you know, everyone's everyone goes mad for about half a second. Like we should, this should be one of the greatest moments in the last twenty years of supporting United, and it does it does get robbed a little bit. I mean, I remember um, the game I mentioned at Spurs where we had the goal disallowed. We then went on to equalise, and you could see a lot of the United fans didn't really celebrate. They're all just stood around like, is this one going to count? Yeah, are they going to find something else that was wrong with this? So. I mean, I, I just think you're losing something from football. I'm all right with it as a, I don't know. I think there's improvements to be made for sure, whether it's a challenge system or whatever. But I would definitely, I would definitely look at how it's used for offside because I just think that's a total yeah. mess at the minute. Well, I know the kind of, they're doing it for handballs as well, aren't they? Where they're now saying sort of shirt sleeve. It might technically be handball, but for VAR purposes, if it hits. Michael J for Hope for the Warriors. Started back in 06 at Camp Lejeune. Military families witnessing the effects of war on their loved ones. Now, almost 20 years later, they've aided over 53,000 service members, veterans, and families with confidential, high-quality behavioral health care services at little or no cost. To post 9-11 vets and their families, over 91% of every dollar donated goes directly to the programs. If you're as concerned about our heroes as I am, go to hopeforthewarriors.org. It's up here. Don't have to yeah, go yeah. long slaves mind, but um, that's not going to be overruled. Similar to offsides, where Wenger said if there's daylight, then that's the only time you overrule it. But then again, you're going to have a millimeter where you know there might be a glimmer on the camera where you don't know if that's daylight or not. So I, I think I agree. Offsides definitely. It's an absolute joke. The the offside rule is there to stop people standing on the goal line. Yeah, it's not. It's meant. There's meant to be a benefit of the doubt, which goes to the attacker. If the level, then they're not offside, and that's yeah. just obviously being completely removed, isn't it? With VAR, I think that's the stupid thing. But on the I flip just... side, it's quite nice to actually have the think the thought in the back of your mind where if there is a howler, then it should get overturned. Yeah, yeah. that's quite ni- that's quite nice to have that. I mean, it would be odd now to have a game next season where player gets punched, um, and there's no VAR. I mean, for me, I'm probably talking a bit too much here, but for me, VAR should just be, there's a referee, one referee watching a screen, and if there's an obvious howler that he's missed, like behind him someone's being punched or he completely missed a studs up tackle, then he just has a word in his ear and says, go and look at a screen. For me, that's all it should be. It shouldn't be an automatic system, but that's just my take on it anyway. Um, So um, just getting back to Sheffield United, um, Chris Wilder, manager of the season, you might be a bit biased, but what do you think? Um... I think if if Klopp had gone unbeaten the entire season, then I think that is definitely uh, it would definitely be him. But I, I do genuinely think that uh, yeah, Wilder is. I think it's between those two for sure. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, I think so. almost every like Bucky's almost every pundit had us to finish bottom of the Premier League, and 
you know, if we end up if we end up qualifying for Europe, I I think it's almost a no-brainer. You know, we've it's a team where probably ten of the eleven every week were playing in the championship last season. We've only really been like bettered a couple of times in terms of like outplayed, and that's generally been to Man City or Liverpool. Mm. So yeah, I think he's uh, I think he's definitely in with a shout. I mean, probably the narrative of um, you know Liverpool's first title in however however long it is will will override it. I think, but you know their expectation is to if not win the title, then certainly finish in the top two, I suppose. So. You know, it's hard for Klopp to exceed expectation too much because it's yeah. obviously such a high floor to begin with. Whereas, yeah, Wilder's floor was was much lower, I suppose. But yeah, I think uh, it would certainly get my vote anyway. And uh, yeah, a few a few neutrals would probably agree. Yeah, I'm fifty fifty on it. I really like Wilder, and you, he's definitely up there with Klopp. I think the counter argument to Klopp is that you know. Yes, he's got all those players and their expectations high, but I think he's changed the whole ethos of that side where, mm. you know, the team is good because of Klopp. It's not just a case of he's managing all these players, therefore it's just an easy ride for him. But that, that, that's just what I think with Klopp anyway. But yeah, go on about fair. that for it. Yeah. Um, Newcastle, just quickly. Um, do you think we're safe? We're on the cusp of it, we think, but we just we know it's Newcastle. We've still got Steve Bruce. Could all go horribly wrong. Um, do you think we'll stay up, and what do you think's a, a realistic goal for us next next season if we do stay up? Uh, yeah, I think you'll stay up. I think you've uh, you've got enough points. What is it, thirty seven points? I think is it. Yeah, ish. Yeah, something like that. We're yeah. only sort of win or so away from forty. So. Yeah, I think I think we'll, a team will only need like thirty. I think a team will stay up on thirty six points or thereabouts this season, just because um, teams at the bottom will just take points off each other. As I said, as you know, the, the talent level of the teams at the bottom is fairly even, so I don't see somebody going on like a five-game and be a winning run or anything like that. So yeah, I think um, I think you'll be more than fine. Um, I would be slightly worried about next season. I think mm. um, with with respect, I'm definitely. I think it's good for us that Newcastle stay up because that's a team that I think we can aim to finish above next season. Like that, we can we can pencil that one in. Um, <laughs> You know, just I, I don't know how good a manager Bruce is. I mean, I pay attention to a lot of like uh, a lot of stats and stuff, and yeah, a lot of them don't really like Newcastle. <laughs> you know, the amount no. of shots conceded, goals scored, shots taken, these kinds of things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's somehow. Um, I, I mean, I guess this is to his credit, really, that despite all that, keep picking up results and yeah. uh, and some. Some really impressive ones as well against uh, against the the bigger teams. So mm. he's uh, you know he's obviously uh, he obviously knows what he's doing. He has a bit of a hoodoo over us at the minute as well. I think he's uh, I don't think we've scored in our last three games against Bruce managed teams when he was at Sheffield Wednesday. He did a <laughs> it, well in all three games I suppose. Done a masterclass of shutting us down I suppose. So mm. yeah, he obviously knows what he's doing. But I'm, I'm sure he'll be fine next season. But uh, definitely a, a sort of yeah, like I say, a team that we can probably look at and think we could potentially finish above. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that about Bruce, um, because yeah, there's you can argue about the stats and how awful we look to, you know, how awful we are to watch and things like that. But the one thing that you can't get over is the fact that he has probably kept us up, and yeah. you know, against all odds, in a, un, un, under Mike Ashley, I think yeah. that's always an achievement, and I don't yeah, think absolutely. Really for that. And he comes across as a sound bloke. Um, but he he has been found out a few times this season. Um, it's interesting you mentioned about shutting up shop. It seems like now is the time where we finally moved away from the five at the back tactic. Mm. Um, he's he's been making out that 
it was basically a hangover from Rafa and that the players were used to five at the back, so he just stuck with it and he thought, well, it's not broken, so there's no point in me changing it. Yeah. Then we've just gone game after game after game without scoring and finally it caught up with us where we, we've started losing games. So we're likely to go back to keep the four at the back and with the you know the more free flow midfield, it has worked, and we look really dangerous against Southampton. Mm. Do you think that is going to be more of a worry for you, or more of a worry for us if the game's going to be slightly more open? Uh, potentially more of a worry for you, I think. I mean, as I say, Bruce has like shut us down in the those last three games by being really, really defensive. You know, ton just. I mean, I remember that first. Um, I feel like you played, yeah, back five. You must play back five against us the first game, and yeah, it probably. was it was so noticeable. There was like constantly two men in, basically in, on the corner of the box every time because we've you know a lot of our success comes from like getting overloads down the sides and getting into good crossing positions. And it's like there is no room whatsoever. There is a you know there's, there's a full back, there's a wide centre back, and then there's the other the middle centre backs come across as well, and it's just absolutely congested it. So. Mm. Yeah, we we've tended to do well against teams that uh, only have four at the back this season. You know, our, that's mm-hmm. where our, our overloads can be really effective. I mean, it's funny. I mean, this is like the mark of respect. I think that we've earned this season is that teams will come to Bramall Lane and they'll play a back three for the they're like the only time all season. You know, yeah. Br- Brian did it. Brian did it a few weggs ago. Bournemouth did it a few weeks ago. You're like, oh, you buggers. You know, <laughs> you're not just play your normal. Just play your normal way. Yeah. So, no, I, I um I, I'm slightly more encouraged. I think because our defence is really good and. Um, yeah. You know, has, has coped well with with most attacks this season. So, yeah, the the idea of it being a more open game, I think, probably uh, helps us a little bit. Yeah, I I think um, just getting on to sort of a prediction, I, I I really rate Sheffield United, and I actually think that for once that I would rather we went back to the back five. Um, I know it's awful to watch, but. I just think you guys, you do just pile people forward, Baldock and Stevens on the wings, who I really like, and Lundstrom and other the guy on the other side, I can remember what he's called, and you do just flood forward. Sheffield United always come across as a team that do just sit back in a sort of Allardyce, um, Sean Dyche way, but they really don't. You are just sort of gung-ho tactics where you think Sheffield United are going to be every man behind the ball, try and get a 1-0 win. So I do think this will be quite a high-scoring game, actually, if we do stick to four at the back. Um, I This is a 1-1 draw, maybe a 2-2 draw. don't know how you see it going. Uh, I, I just I think Newcastle are going to win 1-0 I'm, I'm so like all see, it's been a bit of a running joke for me and uh, and my, my fellow podcast colleague all season is like the Steve Bruce voodoo like every time we've watched Newcastle like how have they won that game I don't I just don't understand how That's they exactly like, what we say to be fair yeah but, but it's, you've yeah. done it over the entire season so eventually it becomes you know you just have to accept that's what it is um, so yeah I think you will become I can I can picture it now the only teams that do the double over this season or oh, this season Liverpool Manchester City Newcastle United so yeah I'm, uh, I, I I do think <laughs> yeah I, I do think we'll lose this one and uh, I think it will be a, a tight game because we don't concede many and we don't score many so I expect yeah maximum two goals in this I think no you've convinced me otherwise I'm happy to go with you on this one and say that say that we'll get the win um yeah I'm I'm going to be there it might be the last game I get to go to this season unfortunately so hopefully it is a good one um but there's no point having that conversation because that's probably been had to death with everyone um but yeah that that probably about does it um thanks very much for coming on um all the best for the rest of the season yeah same to you thanks for thanks for having me and uh, yeah looking forward to playing newcastle next season hopefully i'll be able to get a ticket next season as well if uh, if demand from united fans goes down a little bit so I look forward to that because I've never been to St. James. Uh, nice one. Spread out. See you later. Cheers. Does an orthopedic condition or sports injury have you sidelined? 
Make your comeback with GW Hospital Sports Medicine. We offer services from neck to toe, including care for shoulders, hips, knees, ankles, and hands. Plus, we're the official healthcare partner of GW Athletics, the DC Furies, and the DC Revolution. Get back to doing the things you love. Learn more at gwhospital.com slash sportsmed or call 888-4-GW-DOCS. Physicians are not employees or agents of this hospital. Sports Social Podcast Network.